0: at the life of the Lord Jesus using all four gospel accounts and um, using uh, Jewish perspective. uh, aerialministries.org if you want to know Dr. Frutenbaum's uh, Uh, ministry site but uh, it's been such a blessing to me Um, and we have early still in the life of the Messiah uh, we have just finished his discussion with Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and then we saw how Satan tried to get in there and divide the forerunner John the Baptist from the Messiah and his disciples you know and uh, John the Baptist didn't fall for that and uh, we saw that John says that Uh, Jesus was directly from God and a divine source of truth and tonight we're going to see that Jesus who has been ministering at this point down in the area around Jerusalem is going to leave that area and go north up into Galilee around the Sea of Galilee to do some ministry up there and with that in mind with him leaving from one spot to the other I entitled tonight's uh, Bible study Knowing When to Leave, Knowing When to Leave. Um, Jenny and I have a thing about you ever gone to a new restaurant uh, or maybe it's one you've even been to before and you you just get in the front lobby and everything about you tells you leave now leave now (laughs) (laughs) and you don't listen to that and you sit down and you end up with um, a lousy meal and, you know, you're 80 bucks less because you can't buy a hamburger and a cheeseburger and fries and a drink for a family of four for less than 80 bucks anymore, um, right? Okay, well, you know, but whatever. And, and, you know, man, I should have just left when I had the chance, you know, um, but uh, so tonight we're going to look at that. Jesus left one spot, went to another. Why didn't he do that? And we're going to begin tonight in John chapter 4. We finished up John 3, moving into John 4. But we're going to bounce around a little tonight in the gospel accounts as the narrative uh, gets recorded on multiple sources New Testament gospel uh, letters so John chapter 4 verse number 1 uh, the Bible says when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples he left Judea and departed again into Galilee and as in again we're going to find that throughout his ministry he's going to go around different areas and most um, books that talk about the life of the Messiah tend to follow his ministry from a geographic standpoint. As opposed to the life of Messiah from the Jewish perspective, Arnold does it more from, we're going to do chronological. Um, But Jesus has been ministering and gaining a lot of disciples in and around the city of Jerusalem. His ministry is growing, growing even beyond the size of John Baptist. Now remember, John Baptist had gotten so big that the Pharisees had taken notice and questioned whether John himself, John Baptist, was a a, a Messiah claimer himself. And remember, John says, no, I'm not he. And now we read in John chapter 4 that the Pharisees now hear that, okay, we had this John Baptist character that we don't really like, and now this Jesus of Nazareth, he's getting even bigger than John Baptist. He's got more disciples than him, and they're taking notice. Now, early on, we're going to see that just as they rejected the forerunner, so they will begin from very early to reject the message of the Lord Jesus, and uh, they're going to try to destroy him. But even while they're trying to do that, we see that Jesus' ministry is growing tremendously. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us here, as we discussed, I think, last week, the Bible says that Jesus himself didn't baptize anyone, but he had his disciples do it. Now, one of the things I noticed is notice he says, It says in verse 2, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. Plural. They were all getting involved in it, weren't they? I don't know. I thought to myself, wouldn't it be a great problem if we had so many people that we had to baptize here on a Sunday morning that, you know, I would get wore out after about two or three, you know, especially if they're the size of Andrew or Ryan, you know, I can only do one or two of you kind of guys anymore at my age. But, you know, I did, I did so many. I'm like, oh, well, you know, we did tag team pastoring, you know, Pastor Danny, and I swim to the edge and tag Pastor Danny, and he gets in there, and of course, he's got a bad back and allergies and heat intolerance, so he's even pathetic than I am, um, but uh, he gets in there and he dunks a few people and says, well, let's get the young guy, let's get the youth pastor in here, and he tags off, and, and, and we had so many people that we all had to get involved. Wouldn't that be a wonderful problem to have? I can tell you, Pastor Danny, I know his character. He and I and Pastor Cody, we'd answer the bell, wouldn't we? Um, you know, so if y'all, you know, lead a bunch of folks, bring them in here, we'd be happy to, happy to have that problem. But Jesus' ministry is growing, and um, it's a great thing. But as the ministry grew, notice that so did the opposition, You know, one of the things I tell young Christians when they start, oh, I'm going to serve God with my life, you know, it's a wonderful thing and it's the best choice you can ever make. But don't be under the delusion that when you start trying to do what God wants you to do, the greater that you're serving God and the more you're sold out to God, the greater the opposition there's going to be. That the Pharisees who had been quiet are now going to begin to pop up around. You know, a lot of times it's even the religious people that are the the biggest problem and they're poking at you and, and coming at you. Now, we find that he leaves in verse number 3 Judea and goes into Galilee now if I were a cynic could it not be said that Jesus leaves an area where there's, there's some thriving ministry going on and he leaves the area because the Pharisees are turning up the heat couldn't you say that Jesus left because the opposition got a little too intense could, could you say maybe is he leaving because now he's a little fearful now, we as Christians would never say that of our Lord. We know, I understand that. I want you to look at this as a human perspective. Could you make that argument? Have you ever left somewhere because it got a little too hot? Yes, yeah, so I live in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that kind of hot, but you, you understand. Or have you left somewhere maybe because you're afraid? Is it wrong to leave somewhere because you're afraid? Not necessarily. I, I tell women all the time, you know, I believe God gave women an instinct to know when a situation's not a good situation. And oftentimes you're told, you know, just you, you're being silly. You're being dumb. You know, my personal this is Pastor Ken here. And that's why I tell my wife and my daughters. Um, you know, this is what I tell them. If your little inside voice that God gave you says this scenario you're walking into is not a good one, back up. I don't care if you're late to wherever you're going. Don't go in that place. Don't go in that door. Whatever it is. You listen to that. We men, God didn't give it to us because we're too dumb to listen anyway. And if we do go in there, most of us men are looking for a good reason to punch somebody in the nose anyway. So, you know, we're we're after it. But we want, uh, recognize, sometimes fear can be used as a motivating factor. But um, obviously, this is early in Jesus' ministry and it was not God's time for him to have big conflict with the Pharisees. That time would come. So obviously I think Jesus is acting in wisdom and as we're going to see here in a minute we're going to see the will of God play out here but the satanic option or opposition is growing. Now there were other reasons that Jesus left this area. Uh, that, that we don't see recorded here in John, and this is where the harmony of the Gospels come in. Now, I brought mine with me tonight that Ariel produces, and I don't know if the guys, the camera guys, uh, Oscar and Jason back there, can see here. I'd be like, you know, now on sale in the church bookstore. If you buy it tonight, it's forty nine ninety nine. You buy it after the service, it's sixty nine ninety nine. You buy it Sunday, it's ninety nine ninety five. We're going to be out of stock till Sunday. Um, um, No, we make these. I'd invite you to get one of these. And uh, there's several folks who've written Harmonies of the Gospels. Ariel's is based on A.T. Robertson, and A.T. Robertson's probably the most noted person who put together a harmony. And until I really understood what this was, I didn't realize the amount of intellectual and biblical study it goes into put one of these books together. it's a fascinating study in and of itself. Um, Basically, Bible scholars will go through and trying to pair together all the chronological events of the Lord Jesus using all four Gospels so that when you see like some event that's in one gospel, some are in two, some are in all four of them, where do they all pair together? And instead of having to go to look all four of them, you have a, you have a harmony like this that'll, that'll lay it all out for you. Like, for example, in Arnold, in our Life of Messiah study, tonight we are beginning paragraph number 35. Arnold, Dr. Frutenbaum and his uh, harmony here has 197 paragraphs. We're on paragraph 35. No, we will not be done by next week. Um, we're going to take Brock's approach to the book of Isaiah. We're just going to stay in it a while. Right, right Isaiah? It's a good book. Um, and. Um, but tonight we're in paragraph 35, so if, if you turn to paragraph 35 in this book, you'll find that it begins with John chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, which we've just read, and then you'll find underneath in paragraph 35, and then the story takes us to Luke chapter 3, uh, verses 19 to 20, and then we're going to find the next thing that happens in this same basic paragraph, um, Matthew records it in Matthew four twelve. Mark records it in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, and Luke records it in chapter 4, verse 14. But all of it's written right here, so you can just see all the verses at one time. Do you follow me? Or am I confusing you? Because I remember the first time I was presented with one of these in Bible college, I had no idea. I'm going, what is this thing? I don't get it. And, but once I understood what it represented and what it could do for me in terms of studying the gospel accounts, a very, very powerful tool. And um, and so, in in our study, every week we're in you know one of these paragraphs, and you know we'll leave paragraph thirty-five. We'll go on to paragraph thirty-six. Um, if you have one of these Harmony of the Gospels, you can be right there and, and bounce around as I bounce around as we're about to do here tonight. We've been in John chapter four, but the story takes us now in chronological. The next person that report records information is in Luke chapter three. So in your Bibles, if you can go back a. a shouldn't be too hard for you to find the Gospel of Luke from the Gospel of John. Go back a few pages. Luke chapter 3, all right, verse 19. Luke chapter 3, verse number 19. If you put it all together, what you'd be told next is verse 19. But Herod the Tetrarch, Luke three nineteen, being reproved by him, by John Baptist, for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, Added yet uh, this above all that he shut up John in prison. So Luke tells us in his account that during the same period of time where Jesus is leaving from uh, from Jerusalem, Mary from Judea and going up into Galilee, that the Pharisees were turning up the heat, and also there's also political heat. Religious crowd is getting after him, and now there's political heat turning up. John the Baptist, one of Jesus' closest friends and co labor the forerunner, was arrested and thrown into prison. Now, why was he thrown into prison? Well, the Bible tells us here in in Luke's account because King Herod, now this is not Herod the Great, it's his son Herod Antipas, he had committed adultery. John publicly rebuked him. The story goes in history that Herod had been in Rome at some, probably some, I don't know, tetrarchal conference, I don't know, or he'd been summoned there by Caesar, I don't... He was in Rome and the story was that his brother Philip was there at the same time and somehow he managed to seduce his brother's wife Herodias and convinced her to leave Philip and marry him. Now, if I can encourage you tonight, you think your family has issues. (laughs) Imagine the next family reunion in their family. It wasn't very good. Um, they, they, there was a lot of issues there. And John the Baptist, he calls them out. You know, he calls out about this immoral, adulterous marriage relationship. But Luke also says, and also all the evils that Herod had done. Luke chapter 3. All the evils he'd done wow now again I get heat sometime and and I certainly believe in as a pastor I have some friends of mine that's just your pastor's opinion sometimes their ministry focus from the church is always political um, because politics is representative of our culture I understand that but I feel like my strongest and my direct command is to teach the word of God not just yell at people for 40 minutes but to teach And that's my primary command. Now, but with that being said, as you've heard me say many times, every great preacher in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, spoke truth to power, got involved in politics. They were not afraid to speak truth. And in the day where John Baptist was preaching against Herod, this is a day that you could, you, there was no, which I don't know if there's any right to trial or right, right to, you know, I don't know what rights we have left here even anymore, but um, in that day, the king could do whatever he wanted to with, you You know, he, he didn't need no reason. He could just throw you in jail. He could ex. he could do whatever. And yet John stood there boldly when the leader of the country, the, the person that God had put in that position who... Herod, claimed to be a convert to, you know, uh, Judaism, was violating Mosaic law, and John Baptist called him out for it. Now, we're going to study this more in depth in a few paragraphs down the road, so I'm not going to discuss it too much, but let me just summarize, you know, we got somewhere along the line, you know, Herod heard that John Baptist was out there preaching and calling him out for this marriage. And he seemed to tolerate it for a little while, but then all of a sudden he arrests him. And we find out later that the reason he really arrested him is because John Baptist didn't so much make Herod mad, he made Herod's wife, new wife, Herodias mad. You know what I have found? Most of the time men don't have the courage or the guts to come be confrontational. It's usually the women. They get all mad. Sorry, women. Picking on the women tonight. Actually, I'm picking on the men because I think they're wimps. More often than not, I'm just telling you, uh, was Matt in here with me tonight? Matt, Matt's been with me on a few confrontational issues. They are. But, they, but if their wife gets mad enough at them and they have to get, choose between dealing with me or dealing with their wife, <laughs> then I end up with it, you know? And I'm like, okay, okay, come on. Let's just get it over with, you know? Um, bottom line is John the Baptist was not afraid to speak to the political leaders and to the culture. He didn't just become progressive, he didn't just Christianize everything, he stuck to what the Word of God said. Now apparently, John the Baptist had, you know, like I said, been getting to him and at some point, John, uh, Herod threw him into prison. Now with that in mind, I think about all the other evils that this guy was doing. It wasn't just this immorality, but apparently he probably was doing extortion, Taking bribes, fornication, all I don't know, but John Baptist just preached against all of it. And at the end of the day, we find that when the political heat was going up, John Baptist gets arrested and Jesus leaves town. You know, if I ever found myself in that situation, and who knows, um, and then I find out while I'm sitting there in prison that, oh, did you hear that? I'll pick on Matt. Swafford left town. What do I think about Matt? Yeah, would you would that? How would that sit with you? Jesus leaves. Shouldn't he stayed in the area to show solidarity with the guy who'd gone out in front of him and pointed him out as the Messiah? I mean, shouldn't he have started a prison fellowship ministry? Shouldn't everybody be doing that? But we find that Jesus leaves. When I study this I say to myself "Hmm, why did he do that then? Um, I think the scripture gives us a really clear answer and it continues on in our in the chronological order um, A.T. Robertson takes us from uh, Luke chapter 3 to Luke chapter 4. So in your Bible, so you're still at Luke chapter 3 uh, the storyline p- continues on informationally in Luke chapter 4 and verse number 14. Um, Luke chapter 4, verse number 14. Now look what it says. Why did Jesus leave? Did he leave because the Pharisees are turning up the heat? And Did he leave because John had got arrested and there was political pressure? Verse 14, and and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about why did Jesus leave? because the spirit led him to leave had Jesus remained in Jerusalem he would have not been in the will of the father And as we saw last week Jesus was one with the father and one with the Holy Spirit and yes there, from the human standpoint you could say there were reason. it wasn't God's timing for him to stay I think that's true um, it wasn't time to battle the religious and political powers. I'm sure the heart of Jesus was broken knowing that John was sitting in a, in a Roman prison cell there in Jerusalem. I'm sure that as he knew the Pharisees were attacking him and his disciples and the ministry of John the Baptist, I'm sure the holy righteousness and the Savior was more than willing and ready to fight the, the, the Pharisees. But God's purpose for the Lord at that place at that time was done. Sometimes I have a hard time knowing when it's time to leave. In the ministry we always say most pastors make the mistake of staying one year too long. That's that's the inside the business, you know. Um you all know me. I don't ever, you know, my if you don't know my heart, my heart is I. I belong in Alabama, and I don't believe I'm ever. I don't think I'm ever leaving here. But I, you know, if my boss says you're out of here, I'm out of here. I don't see that coming. So you making an announcement tonight? No, no, no. Roll Tide, War Eagle, lifelong. Bury me in Prattville. Um, that's that's my heart. But sometimes God says and the spirit says it's time you know sometimes like when Jesus left as I hope I've demonstrated to you tonight if I were to put, be put in prison and I found out one of my best friends Matt and then I found out Brock left town and Pastor Danny left town I'd say somebody stay Is anybody would anybody stay around you know Jerry'd stay around um, Yeah, he'd stay around because he'd been here so whole he ain't leaving so. um, but I would, that would that would hurt and I'm sure that maybe some people, when they heard Jesus left the area, maybe they'll murmur, you know, because there's always gossip among the disciples, you know, there's always mo- gossip in the church members, you know. Hey, Jesus left, you John know, John Baptist got arrested and now Jesus has left the area. Ooh, do you hear the Pharisees found out about what Jesus was doing and now he, he left the area. Do you think Jesus was afraid? Don't you think Jesus should have stayed? Is, is that cowardly of Jesus? Do you think he's, he's running away? I can't believe the Lord's running away. You know, here, hurt turns up the heel button and he leaves. You don't think that happened in some human minds during that time? You're crazy. But Jesus left. If the Holy Spirit of God gives you direction to leave, leave. I don't care what people think and evaluations they may or may not make. Because if you stay, as Jesus would have stayed, he would have violated the will of God and he would not have been living in the power of the Spirit. You can't live in direct disobedience to God and have full access to the power of the Holy Spirit that he wishes to pour out on your life. Now, not one of us lives in perfect obedience, so please don't take this. We're all living in this flesh. But you know what I'm talking about. Because if you've served God and you've been a Christian any length of time... Every one of us in our Christian walk, there's been a time where God said, leave this workplace. But, 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 this one's what, but, but, God's not asking you what the salary here. God says, I need you to, you need to trust me and leave. He said, how do you know that? Well, that calls being walking in the spirit every day, every day and getting to know the Lord. That means being surrounded by some wise counselors who love you enough to give you wise counsel, not selfish ones. But when he says leave, you leave. Now, there's another reason that goes hand-in-hand with this that I want you to see in connection in my last 10 minutes here that brings us all together as we go through these um, different parts of paragraph 35, and we're going to go back to John, all right? In John's account, I want to take you back to John chapter 4 uh, for the last uh, verse to leave you with one final thought uh, for tonight, on maybe uh, why you should leave. Um, John 4, we read the first, all right, verse 3, he left Judea, departed back up into Galilee. Um, and verse 4 says, and he must needs go through Samaria. He needed to be in Samaria. Why did Jesus leave? Because the Spirit had a divine appointment for him waiting in Samaria. Wow. Now, Jewish perspective here, let me bring you something that you may not consider. Where Jesus was at around the area around Jerusalem which is down by the Dead Sea down there, down on the southern end. I should have had Pastor Danny put a map up there, and he does it easy. I can't do that. He's far more gifted in that than I am. But um, Galilee is up by the Sea of Galilee, and it's pretty much directly north. The problem is, between the Jewish area around Jerusalem and Judea, and a strong Jewish area around Capernaum on the, uh, uh, the west side of the Sea of Galilee. That whole area in between there is called Samaria, and guess who lived in Samaria? I don't want to see how smart. Nobody. Anyway, thank you. Michael Bryant's still awake. There's one awake. Connie, you, you're, I don't know if your stuff put in, everybody in a coma. No, they're doing pretty good, actually. Should have fired them up, right? Uh, Look like it. So, um, but yeah, Samaritans. Do Jewish people like Samaritans? Most Christians aren't often, no, they weren't big fans. There was race issues. Racial issues are nothing new. Since the fall of man, they've been there. Do you know that Jewish travelers in that day would go north out of Jerusalem, then they would hang a right heading west, and they would literally go through all the effort to get across the Jordan River so they'd be on the side known as Perea, out of the area of Samaria, and then they would head due north along the river on the west side of the river all the way up till they get into the area of Decapolis, which is more of a Gentile area. They prefer Gentiles to Samaritans. And then they'd hang a left and go back over the river and then go up and around and into Capernaum, way out of their way. You didn't just cross a river by paying the toll bridge, you know. I wonder in those days when they paid the toll, if they told them, hey, this toll's temporary. It's only gonna be here till we pay for the bridge. Um, no, they didn't do that. They, they had to go through all this issue to get across, go up, go over the other side, because all because they wanted to not step one foot into the area of the Samaritans. If you wanted to go directly from where Jesus was to where he was going, go a straight line, go right through Samaria. And that's what God calls him to do. Now, one of the great things about being in Samaria is the Pharisees didn't have any desire to be in there. So it was safe from that. Um, but that's not what it was about. He needed to be in Samaria, as we're about to find out in our next couple paragraphs, because he needed to have a talk with a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. He was about to do more Evangelism. He had just gotten done with that classic discussion with Nicodemus and John three sixteen, and how you needed to be born again and faith in Him as the Messiah, and and he talked with Nicodemus, who was a moral, um, religious man. But he's going to go into Samaria with a people group that the Jewish people despised, with a non-religious, immoral woman. You could not get more opposite, which is why my personal opinion, one of my things I've said in the years, I don't know, I'm sure somebody else has said it, but when you take John chapter 3 and John chapter 4, Jesus and the scriptures encapsulates for us the totality of the variety of evangelism. Everybody you talk to is going to vary between somewhere between the Samaritan woman and the Nicodemus. For me, I have found it's much harder to witness to the Nicodemuses. Anybody else found that out? So that's been my experience. But they still need witnessing too. The Mormons still need to hear the gospel. The Jehovah's Witnesses still need to hear the gospel. But he had to leave. He would meet this woman... And she would be, from, we can tell, the first non-Jewish person that he would openly declare and identify himself as the Messiah. She would become one of Jesus's most effective witnesses. You see, sometimes we got to leave because there's someone that God has for us to reach, and they're somewhere else. They're not where you were. Maybe you're on a trip. You're traveling and sometimes there's a roadblock or there's a construction thing or there's, you know, there's an accident you have to get off. There's an unscheduled stop. Do you ever stop and think that maybe that's a divine appointment? As I've gotten older in my faith and gotten better in my patience and listened to my wife more, um, I'm more sensitive to that than I ever have been. That if I wasn't planning on being here, but now I am here, there must be a reason. Maybe you have to leave a relationship and I'm not talking about marriage if you're in a marriage relationship that's a covenant relationship that's a you took a vow before God that's a very serious thing but there's probably people in your lives sometimes maybe you need to leave sometimes you have to travel through lonely Samaria and be in a very uncomfortable position an unexpected position. I'm sure his disciples were all going, Jesus. I know we had to leave Jerusalem, but you know this is not the way that we Jewish people go. I'm sure Peter was the one probably giving the Lord, you know, advice. You know, um, you know we this is not this is not what Siri says to go. No. Uh, But sometimes we have to leave and the reason for the leaving is God has someone, something for you to do somewhere else. Now, I would tell you tonight, I don't know, maybe if somebody's dealing with issues of, you know, locationally leaving, relationally leaving, whatever it is, and in some area you may be leaving or staying. One of the things that separates baby Christianhood from more mature Christianhood is when we're younger in the faith, I find that the Lord in his mercy, when we're newer Christians and our heart is to do the right thing, that God will give us circumstantial things to help us. But as you grow in your faith, you're going to find out that Satan's good at manipulating circumstances as well. So while I understand a statement like this, and please, I'm not going to be offended if you say it. I've said it myself. I'll say it again. Hey, this happened, so I really felt this was the will of God. That may be true but it may not be true. The question is not the circumstances. The question is the Holy Spirit's leading. That is the question. You say, how how do I know if the Holy Spirit's leading? Well, you and God better have a lot of conversations. And all I'm going to tell you is when it came to big decisions in my life and when I had to leave someplace and Jen and I and our, our lives together and our many, many, many years of being married together, we, until the Holy Spirit of God gave me a Peace, and he can and he will but until you have that peace do not leave but once you do get that peace do leave now I know that's simpler said than done and in between those two things there's a lot of prayer there's a lot of struggle there's a lot of seeking God there might be some tears there might be some all kinds of things but you'll get there because I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit of God that indwells each and every believer can make you know if you are fully fully seeking now here's the little rub that you're with best of your heart you're trying to do what God wants you to do he'll get you there I remember several years ago now, um, well, tell you what I'm going to tell you a different. I'm going to tell you a different story. I was going to tell you one that happened to us on I-65, but I'm going to tell you a different one that more recently. Uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, um, Jen and I were in the midst of the Easter season's very demanding on ministers, pastors. It's a hard season, and Don, brother Don, was in his dying days, and the demands upon Jenny and myself and his meeting, his needs were great. We had some personal issues. Yeah, believe it or not, pastors have personal issues too, personal issues going on. There's just a lot. And in the middle of all that, sometimes I'll famously just kind of call a timeout. It's time for a timeout, you know. And I I called Jen up. I said, you know what? We're going to do what we probably ought not do. We have a million things to do, but this is what we're going to do today. We're going to leave town. We're going to go away. We're going to get out of town a little bit. Little downtime, little chill time, little alone time. and we're, we're going to go to our favorite pizza place up in Hoover. I could tell you, but then you'd all go and then... yeah, we'll find it, right? It's number one in TripAdvisor. That is you want a clue. Um, and we started driving up there. You know, do you ever notice anymore that, that it's, a, it's a blessing from the Lord if you can get from Prattville to Hoover? without a major dead stop in traffic. (laughs) Our tax dollars at work, I think we need three lanes going or four lanes going each way. Okay, that's another subject for another time. But this particular one was even worse than normal. There was delay after delay after delay and, 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 the, and the Google map or whatever one kept getting us off which ended up being pretty cool and we took these detours and were taking us out in the middle of these country roads which actually ended up being really cool but what should have taken us typically to get from here to there is about 55 minutes on a good day, 49 minutes or so. It took us over two hours. Of course, I'm sitting there Jenny's going, great idea, hon, you a really good idea. Let's leave town. Just, it'll just take us an hour to get up there, an hour to get back. No, it didn't work that way. We finally get there and we pull in the parking lot, and we get out of the parking lot, and we're headed into our favorite little pizza place, Chicago-style pizza. Oh, yum, 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 Chicago-style pizza. And we're heading in there, and I notice on the other side of the parking lot, I see this guy with some children, and I'm thinking to myself, what a nice family, you know, what a nice family. And I'm looking, and I say, you know, they kind of remind me a little bit of the Sanchez's. I get a little closer, and I get closer, and I look, and I stop, and I go, it is the Sanchez's. (laughs) Do you know what the odds are? And I'm looking at Will, and Will's looking at me, like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Well, you told us about this place. Well, I guess I shouldn't have told you about this place. (laughs) You see, Sarah was out of town and he was with the kids by himself. It's so what dads do when they left the kids themselves. We take them out for pizza and it's an hour away so you get away. Actually, he took them to the McQueen Center, the, the science center, and they had been there all day. And then he said, coming down, they, he had purposed to come down because we told him about this place. He goes, I decided to come down here. He goes, but you know what? On our way here, I think it was Laurel, I wanted to get a shake so he did what every dad, good dad does. He got his daughter a shake and uh, they, they stopped off and got shakes. So he said, we kind of detoured all the way around and then we arrived here right now. And we looked at each other, no, and he's more of an engineer than I am, but we looked at each other and said, you know what the mathematical probability of all this is? Now, initially in my flesh, I'm thinking, Lord, I came out here, and it's going to be two of us alone, and there's Will. Oh, it's Will. Oh. But, you know, I thought to myself, I said, no, this is quite, God, and you know, we sat there, we, we all ate together, we got a big table together, and... Not Will, because, you know, Will's, you know. Actually, Will was a real blessing. Will sat down and told us some VA benefits for Brother Don that we were not aware of that are going to probably translate into some (laughs) cho-ching. About time some of us regular people get some government money. But at any rate, um, I'll tell you, I sat right there by Bobby and Jesse, and those two little guys, for an hour and a half when we were there probably, fed my soul. It wasn't what I planned, but it's where God led me, and it's where I needed to be. So I thank you, Will, for getting Lorelai a shake, being there. Why do you have to leave? Amen? Good stuff tonight, right? We're going to pick it up there and see what happens when Jesus is on his way. We're in Samaria there, and uh, we'll pick it up from there. Uh, Thank you for being here tonight. Do we have any announcements for this weekend, Pastor Danny or Jenny? All right. All right. Awana Workshop is this Saturday. So uh, 9 to 12, is that what you said? I think I saw Josh in here too, right, Josh? Is that 8 to 12, so if you you want to help with making your car, we'll have some saws here and paint and guys that'll help you. If you're a dad like I am that was not real handy with tools, we have some guys here that are going to help you make the cars and then, is it Sunday night? Is it this Sunday night is the Derby? The following following Sunday night. That's a week from there. Love the Iwana Derby. So, anything else? That's it? All right. Well, let me close in prayer. Thank you for being here. All these are watching online. We're so glad to have you all tuned in. And Lord willing, see you this Sunday. Uh, let's pray. Lord, it's been good to meet together tonight. And Lord, thank you for the way you lead us and that you have given us the gift of your Spirit, who seals us and dwells us and leads us. God, help us to be sensitive and be seeking of what you'd have us to do and where you'd have us to go. And help us to be mindful that every location you lead us to, especially unexpected ones that you probably have a work for us to do a ministry for us to do help us to be mindful of that and obedient servants bless our folks as they head home give them safety on the road help them to see well be safe and lord help us to love one another in Jesus name amen and amen god bless